Coming up this week on Sporting Journal Radio. And is the crossbow argument firing up? And uh, there are shiners moving through the river. We need to find a way to infuse young people into our organizations. I fish, I hunt, and always will. Broadcasting from the Alclair Outdoor Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. We're not just a radio show anymore. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Welcome to the show. My name is Brett Ammons, and thank you for tuning in on the network by demand or watching us on YouTube. We're here to talk about the outdoors and how new things in the outdoors might affect your experiences out there. And we'll talk about what we've learned in recent experiences. That's Dan Amundsen right over there. Dan, how you doing? Hey, we got a hot case of the sniffles going yeah. on in the SJR studios here. The, the Al Claire Outdoors studios. Uh, we're sick. We're all sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. We spent uh, three weeks on the road and uh, had a big conversation conference shaking a lot of hands it's been going around so i'm actually feeling pretty good i'm just all clogged oh, up. just rub it in will you and coughing well i got it before you I did feel fine oh yeah david eckhart's david? here too there he is <laughs> he's quarantined Whoa. and he's he's the one that's not sick how's it going david it's going good all right um so we all went to saskatchewan uh dan and i were up there for about 10 days uh david joined us for a portion of that trip uh, we had a good time. We also spent some time in Bemidji. Why were we there? We'll explain it. Um, we uh, also have, we have Kurt McAllister from Toyota on the show this week, the outdoor communications manager. He did something really cool this year, uh, introducing people to the outdoors. We'll, we'll talk to him about that, what he did, tell you what he did and how he did it coming up later in the show. Joe Henry's also got a Lake of the Woods fishing report. We'll talk about crop conditions and uh, where the harvest is at with David here in uh, just a second. But first, Dan, who are this week's sponsors? This week, Live Target, match the hatch at LiveTargetLures.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism, Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital of the world. Plan a trip for this fall or winter at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Haybell Heights Campground and Resort. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. It's probably time to start thinking about ice fishing and a snow bear. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Ottertail Lakes Country. So much to do up there. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And Prairie Sportsman. We've got a busy month filming Prairie Sportsman segments this month. But the new season will start in January, but you can watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel. That's right. And uh, I know we're going to have some new sponsors coming to the show here very, very soon. So we thank you, current sponsors, and we're welcoming our new ones. We'll be talking about them here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, David, are you taking a break from the combine to, to do the show right now? Uh, it's still a little bit too wet this morning to okay. get out in the field. So waiting for the sunshine and a little bit of wind. Have you started uh, taking anything out yet? Beans, maybe? Uh, yeah, we started on beans last week. But with the rain over the weekend and cooler, wet mornings, it's been kind of a slow start this week. Has any of it flooded? Asking for <laughs> <No>. a friend. <laughs> yeah. Not here. How does Not one plug a drain tile? <laughs> Google's. <laughs> Chat GPT. Chat GPT, yeah. How do we plug drain yeah. tiles? Right. Oh, well, where man. my dad lives, um, out in South Dakota, they had over four inches of rain this weekend. Wow. Or last weekend. So he's got flooded corn. How much did you get? Like not even a half inch. That's what I heard where we're at here in Western Minnesota, uh, north of us. When we were driving home Sunday, it rained the whole way, at times heavy. And I heard about the four inches up there, and I'm like, oh, gosh, the Palm de Terre River had some current going in it. I'm like, heck, yeah, the slough's going to be full. There's going to be ducks everywhere. No. 
It, yeah, I think I don't even think we got a half inch at my house. So even no. even within you know a half hour, forty minutes away, they were getting four inches, and uh, we just uh, we're stuck in a in a drier part of the cycle, I guess, down here. Yeah, oh, I wish no. it would rain more, but have you I been would, deer hunting? I would take it. Yeah, yeah, I've been out a few times. I'm impressed with the way you set your that one stand. Is that a, a saddle, that stand that we were talking about, or is that just a hanger or some sort, or, um, or a ladder? What is that? That one's actually just a ladder stand, just a one-man ladder stand. Because the way you've got it, based on what you've sent me in your Snapchats, is the way you've got that set up is you're, you're kind of hidden behind, A, a bunch of leaves yet, so half the food plot can't see you sitting up there, uh, which can be a detriment for you obviously at times but i think it and then you've got a big part of the tree another big branch coming off so you've got a window and deer on either side aren't going to see you where you're sitting you're like you're not sitting facing the food plot you're kind of tucked back and twisted and hidden it's pretty stealthy i'm impressed yeah i like that spot there's it's right at the y of a tree so it's on the back portion and so half of the tree is hiding you sitting in the stand so it's it's a pretty stealthy little spot. Yeah, well, good luck over there. I'm about to buy my tag. We haven't been home, so I haven't been I haven't been ready to hunt. And honestly, I don't have I haven't had bucks on my cameras now for uh, for about a week or so. So I'll probably wait until the rut starts to pick up before I really start focusing heavy heavy stand time. Uh, so I'm going to focus on uh, ducks and geese for a little bit. And um, it was kind of a wild trip we had to Saskatchewan, David. That was that your first time up there? Yeah, that's the first time I've ever ever done any hunting in canada so getting a gun across was a new experience for me but it what was did you really think? pretty painless it was pretty painless i think yeah as long as you fill your fill your paperwork out and pay your 25 dollars not much to it right and then we were up there a little early for the area that we were in we were there a little early we did get to beat up on the on a canada's <coughs> <clears throat> Sorry, we did get to beat up on the Canadas a little bit while we were there. Um, but we were waiting for the snows and the cranes and the specks. And David, you left a day early. Yeah, I really wanted to kill a crane. And the next day after getting home, you guys shot into some cranes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it goes. Should have been here. Should have been here tomorrow. Should have been here yesterday. I knew that's exactly how it was going to go, too. <laughs> But we had we had some pretty good hunts. In fact, there's a, a video, a new video on the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel where you can see our first hunt with David in Saskatchewan. Where we did beat him up pretty good. And uh, David, you had the shot cam that day, and uh, you um, you were on that. You didn't need any warm up time. I needed a little warm up time. Dan had his ups and downs a little bit. <laughs> I hardly hunted. Yeah, he filmed a lot. David, you were you were dead on that day and uh, put a couple birds down. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's you. You have those days where you feel like you can't miss, and then the next time you feel like you can't hit anything. So I, I was having one of those on days. What did you learn about hunting in Saskatchewan that you didn't know before? Um, just the different crop types. There was a lot of canola up there. I've never really seen canola. I kept not seeing, you know, there was never any birds in it. And after talking to some farmers uh, and even you guys too, they were like, oh, there's never any birds in canola. And I, that just kind of blew my mind. 
And then the next day we saw birds in the canola. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, that, th those birds were pushed over the, there and didn't stick around in there. They were just and, nervous. Yeah. And even the farmer was like, I don't know why they're in there. They, they shouldn't be in there. <laughs> well, let's explain why that is. Uh, that's because they're, they, don't, they don't waste as much when they harvest it. Is that right? I'm not really sure, I guess. I don't know if it's because the stalks are so tall and stiff or if it's just there's not much grain left behind or if it's not i've heard it can palatable. hurt like when they land in it it hurts their feet or something because yeah. it is it's like yeah. stiff and hard it's not not like wheat or corn stubble it's soft and then, yeah I don't, I don't know there's really not well it's so thick too yeah it's like little spikes everywhere yeah it might might not kill like... you if you land on it well I've, you've right. seen corn stalks do that yeah I know uh, if we've hunted in a really tall corn stock field, a lot of times we'll try to knock them down where the kill hole is so they don't feel like uh, they're in trouble. It's like, well, what, David, that you shot um, a quill up there on our trip, and we were in a, I think we were in an oat field, weren't we? And that, like, that breast on that bird, where, you know, where the best part of the coloration was in this quill goose, it was ripped right, right, wide open. Was that from yeah, your shot? Yeah, it was also it was pretty high up there. I just happened to see it flying over us and just sat up and got lucky enough to hit it and knock it down. But that thing came down from way up there. <laughs> <laughs> so it just so it hit pretty hard. <laughs> just ripped open when it hit the ground. Yeah. Well, well um, one thing, Dan, we did get into the snows after David left. Um, and then we had to leave, of course, right after the, the migration really started. Um, uh, what what did you think about the chat GPT suggestions? If you missed it, a couple of weeks ago, we asked chat GPT how to set a snow goose spread in anticipation of our trip to Saskatchewan. Surprisingly, it was fairly accurate, except for one thing. Well, we didn't have any snow to partially bury our decoys in, so yeah. we didn't get to do that. We had a few tipped over on their sides, I think, eventually. But <laughs> That's from know. birds hitting them, I think, when they land. Yeah, I don't think it looked realist, that realistic, but hey, it worked. We shot birds. <laughs> we did shoot birds, and that's beauty about uh, up there. It's like uh, we're the first decoy spreads they see. They don't have a lot of pressure. Some of them still had eggshells on them. Yeah, they were, they're not white snow geese. They were gray. gray birds. They were not white. Love them. Nothing like it, man, decoying some adult snows. And we'll have that video coming to the Fish Hunt Forever YouTube channel very, very soon. If you haven't subscribed to that channel, please do it. And if you haven't subscribed to this one yet, the Sporting Journal Radio, please do that and share it and like it with your friends. And uh, we're very proud here at Sporting Journal Radio because we recently went to the Aglow Conference in Bemidji where we won uh, five awards for this show right here. So congratulations, Dan and David. Yeah, congratulations, you guys. Thank you very much. You can see a list of uh, what podcasts, what shows that we won the awards for. Some really interesting ones. We had some great guests. I know the one with Ollie Shakur won an award. Ollie is a, 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 a fisheries biologist and does a lot of science and research on walleyes, which is very interesting for us and, of course, for a lot of Minnesotans and uh, people in this region, this listening area that like walleyes. Some really interesting stuff with, with Ollie, and we uh, had a, a number of other really cool shows. See the list at sportingjournalradio.com. And, um, Dan, we wrapped up that big trip with a stop in northwestern Minnesota for uh, it's it's a bucket it was a, not only a bucket list opportunity for hunters in Minnesota because it's a once in a lifetime tag but honestly for me it was something that I'd wanted to be a part of whether I was hunting or filming for a long time and that's we got the chance to film an elk hunt 
in northwestern Minnesota, and I was starting to get sick, so I just put you in the blind with the hunter we had was awesome. It was Scott Moon, great guy. Uh, we had a lot of fun with him. He was very accommodating to what we needed to do from a TV show perspective. He loved having us there, and he was the perfect guy to follow around. He had a cow tag, and uh, so we filmed him. And Dan, you got some pretty up close personal experiences filming him hunt that. Yeah, and shout out to his aunt, by the way, oh, for yeah. listening to the show. His manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and setting the whole thing up, really, it was from her that we got to go film. And yeah, you don't think of Minnesota as having elk. And we've seen, and it's hit the news, and maybe I'm paying attention to it more and more this year, just because we got to go on the hunt. There have been some giant, giant nice. bulls shot in Minnesota. There's big elk here. And we got, yeah, we got within archery range of an absolute giant, the herd elk, or the herd bull, as they called it there. And I, I was just watching it through the camera. I didn't even realize how close it was. And all of a sudden you look up and there's just antlers and a, just a giant, giant animal. They're so big. Like, you know, I've never been up close and personal with them except at the zoo, I guess. But then you get, you know, we, we are fortunate to be able to see one on the ground, a nice bull that another guy, another local had shot. Evan. Yeah. And holy cow, what, what cool animals. And the noise, the sound, the bugle, like it, yeah. they don't sound real when you hear it for the first time. And uh, yeah, we might start buying preference points to go, <laughs> to go on a west. It was amazing. Yeah. So we were filming Scott and then he had heard of another guy shooting an elk nearby. It was Evan Bernstrom and he was uh, accommodating as well and let us come over and interview him and see his big bull that he shot. And when you're when you're you see them in the field, they look big as it is. But when you're up next to them on the ground, I mean, it's like I'm not going to say they're as big of a, as big as a cow, but they're getting dang close. Like they're huge, like a horse size almost really. I mean, they're, they're just monster animals. And he sent me a picture too of all the elk in the freezer. And it's like, yeah, that one animal filled his freezer, a uh, big freezer. So uh, congratulations and, and uh, congratulations to him. And also thank you, Scott. We will show you how Scott's hunt went on the new season of Prairie Sportsman coming up starting in January on Pioneer Public Television, our flagship station. And then you can watch it uh, potentially on a local PBS station near you or on any PBS website or on the uh, Prairie Sportsman YouTube uh, channel. Uh, what else? What? How much time do we got, Dan? I know Joe Henry's waiting for yeah, us. Yeah, maybe we should take a take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with a little bit more of our conversation here. All right, more with Joe Henry coming up from Lake of the Woods, and also Kurt McAllister from Toyota, and the scholarships he gave out to a number of uh, people at the recent Aglow Conference in Bemidji. It's all on the way. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. We're back, Sporting Journal Radio. 
I'm Brett Amundsen. Thank you for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much, along with Dan Amundsen and David Eckhart. And man, is the crossbow argument firing up. You thought we were done talking about this. I know Dan wished we were done talking about this, <laughs> but uh, no. As a matter of fact, Outdoor Life just put out an article that is making the rounds this week on social media, and it was crossbows comprise 40% of archery deer harvest in Minnesota. They've been legal for or 10 days. So that's the impact it's had already. And I, I, as much as I try to stay out of some arguments on social media, I've been very vocal on this one. And I've tried to be, I've tried to actually make it a more respectful argument. So many people are so quick to just call each other crybabies and whiners and make fun of people on social media. I try to be the voice of reason at the same time offer my viewpoint on the situation. And I'm from the beginning, I just want to say from the very beginning, I'm not against crossbows, right? I'm okay for the way the laws were with older people using them, people with some sort of physical limitation or disability that have uh, doctor's medical exemption. Heck, I'd, I'd probably be even be okay with youth using them. But there are some definite differences between holding a bow, even with 80% let off, holding a compound bow at, bow at full draw, not getting busted by the deer when you draw back, and then having to hold it potentially for a minute to two minutes, maybe if you can hold it for that long while sweating and shaking, waiting for that deer to step into a shooting lane. That is a major, major difference for me when it comes to the discussion of compound bows, even with today's expensive modern compound bows versus crossbows. Pope and Young doesn't recognize crossbows as archery equipment. I know some people have their issues with Pope and Young. Looking back, they didn't even like compounds with let off at one point, and then they allowed them. Well, where does it where does it stop? The arguments I'm seeing on social media is like, well, watch your own bobber. What does it matter who kills what people use to kill their deer? Well, it definitely matters because that's how deer are managed, at least in Minnesota. Different states have different ways to manage their animals. They have different season lengths based on their harvest numbers, their available uh, weather conditions, the rut time, the people amount of people out there hunting, the weapons that are preferred in that state. In Minnesota, archery hunters get three and a half months. Not all states are like that. They get that long because it's harder to kill a deer with archery equipment. It's definitely going to be easier with a crossbow, and I don't care who you are. I'll argue that in a polite way with you all day long. It's definitely going to be easier with a crossbow. You can have more range. You can have more uh, effectiveness. You can have more accuracy and you're not going to have to hold that full draw. It's just as simple as that. That being said, I'm not against giving more opportunities for people to hunt. I'm about creating positive experiences in the woods and trying to ensure that we can protect our, our rights and traditions as hunters and anglers forever. And the other big thing that people are missing out on this is that the way it happened in Minnesota is the way I have a, was what I have a problem with. It wasn't the DNR setting it. It wasn't hunters voting for it. It was two to three legislators sneaking it into a bill and having it become law just by removing an age restriction from the current laws and regulations that were already on the books. It was just a sneaky little thing. And I guarantee you they were influenced by potentially some of the crossbow manufacturers out there. It's the way things get done in this country. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I think it's wrong the way it was done in this way without us having a voice or some sort of say in the matter. I don't want to argue with other hunters. So when people out there say we shouldn't be arguing with each other, what, why, why do you care how I kill my deer? Well, 
I don't want to argue with you. I just want to talk about and have an open, honest discussion about what's right for the future. Maybe crossbows won't have a big impact. I feel like they will. I had no problem with a special crossbow season, similar to the way we use muzzleloaders, the way we treat muzzleloaders in Minnesota. Some people are like, well, there's no difference between muzzleloaders and, and rifles nowadays. Well, then why can't you use a rifle during the muzzleloader season? Why should you be able to use a crossbow for three and a half months? It's going to move the harvest up earlier. Maybe it won't increase harvest numbers, but it's going to kill a lot more deer earlier in the season. It's going to increase the buck harvest, potentially kill more bucks, maybe kill more big bucks, which is going to reduce the uh, trophy uh, population of bucks out there, potentially. So there are some potential negative impacts out there. And guys, one thing that we haven't talked about is what impact it might have on the turkey season. Yeah, nobody's mentioned that. Uh, you can use a crossbow for a month and a half to kill your turkey. Um, I know that's the big thing of why people buy the archery tag. That's why I bought my first archery tag, turkey tag, was to uh, have that long. Because you kind of, it's really hard to shoot a turkey with a, with a bow. You know, you almost have to be in a blind, try, or if you're not in a blind, good luck drawing back and uh, not spooking the turkey. But now I can go for a month and a half leaning against a tree and use the same form that I use with a shotgun. Yeah, maybe I won't have the distance, but I still have, I just lean against a tree, run and gun with a crossbow for a month and a half instead of a week. Oh, so. I'm, I mean, yeah, you can shoot turkeys with uh, these turkey loads now, maybe out to 80 yards. Oh, yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't take that shot but i would argue that you could have almost the same effective range with a crossbow that you could with a shotgun in the spring now for turkey maybe i would i would say i'll just say this i would take my shotgun at 80 yards before a, oh, a bow or a, an arrow yeah. or a bolt at 80 yards i mean i probably um, wouldn't take either shot but no but my point is i guess if i had to have the distance at yeah, like say I know 60 yards yeah I if i had to say 60 yards i'm gonna take my shotgun yeah, over a crossbow for sure but you get running and gunning is gonna be so much easier and you get a month and a half to do it and i think that's been because it's fall and nobody's thinking about turkey hunting that's been swept under the rug. Dan's gonna go buy a crossbow just for turkeys now well no i'm i'm not <laughs> but you know i it's it's something that hasn't i've heard nobody talk about it and yeah. i've been trying to be done with this conversation because here's the bottom line i don't think we're changing i i hope we are i hope we're having a good discussion and not just yelling back and forth at yeah, each other for sure but the feedback I've gotten, especially on social media, which is still going today from a post back in July when this started. How many is, different names have they called you? Oh, gosh, I've heard it all. Yeah. I might as well have been racist or something on the radio for mm -hmm. being against crossbows, but it is what it is. It doesn't really bother me. It's just let's have an open conversation instead of just screaming, you know, I'm anti-hunting or, yeah. you know, it's easier to get kids into the sport. It's, it's a bottom line of where are we going to draw the line at yeah. new technology. It's the same conversation with live scope. I get that, but... Like that, yeah, there's catch and release with live scope at least. You're, exactly. You're killing stuff with these. Exactly. Crossbows. So it's it's different, but it's it's like, you know, if I want to get a kid involved, well, why don't we just open up rifles year round or something? And you know, I made a pretty bold or pretty big exaggeration way back in July that I'm still getting trashed about. Yes, I recognize that was a big exaggeration. That was the point. Yeah. You kind of missed it if you're getting mad about that, if you really think I'm gonna go poach deer. But right. whatever is what it is. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. Yeah, the bottom line is we're not <laughs> trying to argue with each other. We're just trying to protect what we have and make sure that we're doing the right thing moving forward. Not against opportunity and access. We're not against crossbows. We're just trying to make sure it's being done it's the right way. And checks and balances, which is yeah. what the U.S. government was built on. And it's funny because Minnesota is generally pretty conservative when it comes to new technologies and, and limits and, and things like that. And the well, 
the DNR is usually conservative when it comes to stuff like that. And this was not the DNR's decision. So uh, we'll see how it goes, I guess. All right. Uh, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk with Joe Henry. We'll get a Lake of the Woods and Rainy River Shiner report when we come back. And Kurt McAllister will join us to talk about getting more kids into the outdoors coming up on Sporting Journal Radio. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the ultimate frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the ultimate frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater anglers coming soon from live target did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail county yep and i'm gonna fish as many as i can i'm an outdoorsy otter nothing beats a full day of fishing for me the lakes of Ottertail county give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch not an outdoorsy otter no problem Ottertail county has something for everyone you just need to find your inner otter to find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, now we're going to talk to award-winning tourism director, uh, executive director, Lake of the Woods Tourism, Joe Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe, how you doing? Hey, gentlemen. Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Good to see you up in uh, Bemidji last week. We'll talk more about what we're doing up there here in, in a minute, but I know everyone wants to know how the Shiner Run on the Rainy River is going. You know, it's, it's started and uh, there are shiners moving through the river. You know, I talked, uh, well, I, I've seen some uh, uh, Snapchats and some different social media of some of the shiners. You know, what, what they do on, on the Rainy River, you guys, is, you know, a lot of the resorts and some of the bait people will, they, they put a light that, that hangs just over the water. And at night, those minnows are attracted to the light. So when the shiners are running, they'll swirl, just swirl just thousands and thousands of them swirling and then what they do is they got big handles with a net a couple feet under the surface and they pull down on that handle and that net with net with the light and everything lifts right up and that's how they catch their minnows well i've seen some videos the shiners are starting to run and you know uh, there, there's some fish being caught in the rainy it's not a slam fest yet it's not the big run yet but there are some fish that have entered the river some people are putting out some good reports you know it's typical transition you hear about somebody that just smoked them, and then you hear somebody else that said, yeah, we, we got some walleyes that we had to work for them, you know? And so you, you kind of hear it all over the place. But the fact of the matter is, Mother Nature is moving things along, and some of the shiners are running, and, uh, yeah, fishing's been good. And it's that time of year. A guy could go up there. The leaves are going to start falling off the trees. I know when we were up in Bemidji, it was still pretty thick. We tried doing some grouse hunting while we were up there last week. Some people did have some success, but for the most part, people were hearing birds and not necessarily seeing them. But as those leaves come off, you'd be able to get up there and chase some of those grouse around. And I don't know, our, our October is filling up, Joe. Dan and I got the calendar. It's like, man, uh, and Dan still has a boat up there he has to go get. So it's like, gosh, do we do we go up and get the boat and make a quick run up to Lake of the Woods? Mm, maybe. Well, you know, think, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Well, you know, they're, they're, the thing is, there's 10, you guys know this, there's tens of thousands of acres of public hunting. And, you know, with some of those trails they got going through Beltrami Island State Forest, those trails are nice if you can walk them. And, you know, the, when, when the leaves start coming down, they're, they're going to start coming down up there first. So, I mean, three species of grouse, good population of grouse. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun to hear about people who come from other parts of the uh, of the state of Minnesota or maybe even the Midwest when they go up to Lake of the Woods and 
you know, whether even if they whether they get on a whole bunch of grouse or just stumble upon some grouse, it's fun to hear them talk about. Oh wow, we saw we saw this many grouse, and we saw grouse almost everywhere we went. And you, normally, there's a, a lot of birds to be to be had and, and to see. And I, it's just kind of neat to see that. It's also neat to to have people talk about how there's so much land to hunt, and you can have a huge forest, and that's great. But if you don't have trails through the forest, you're somewhat limited. That's a neat thing about Beltrami Island State Forest is that not only do you have dirt roads going through the whole thing, you have different walking trails and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's all all good stuff. And uh, right now is the time, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, and you can waterfall hunt up there, too. And there's some deer hunting opportunities, things like that. But that grouse hunting, I used to think that the trails were just for lazy people. But I'll tell you what, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older. But when we went grouse hunting, that's the first thing I did is look for a trail. And part of it was because we did bushwhack our way Um through some of the thicker stuff and it's just like there's no chance to shoot anything while you're in there anyway it's a lot more work and a lot of times you'll find the grouse along those trails along the edges so uh that's one of the reasons why the dnr has put in a lot of those hunter walking trails and uh, some of those old logging trails get a lot of get a lot of traffic not only because they're easier but because a lot of times that's where you can find some of the birds up there so when i actually get- mentioned Cooper, that that is a dnr it's, it's it was actually um, a joint effort between the DNR and the Royal Scouts Society up at, of Lake of the Woods. And, you know, what's really neat about those walking trails that they've installed is that they're actually a loop. So, and, and actually for grouse hunting, like if you walk down a trail and then you have to walk that same trail back, that isn't always bad because sometimes yeah. you pick up as many birds coming back as you do going out, you know. Um, that's just the way grouse are. But but these trails are kind of unique. You know, you, you stop at a little area, there's room to park a few vehicles, and then there'll be a sign there. And the sign's almost like an aerial sign of the woods with a maybe a, re, a orange um, loop. It shows exactly where that trail goes. And basically what it does, it makes a loop so that when you walk that trail, it makes a loop and comes back right to where your vehicles are so you can't get lost. And you never walk on the same ground, uh, you know, over and over. It's just kind of a neat deal. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, grouse are delicious. They're fun. And the fact that there's three different species up there. You got spruces and uh, sharpies as well, too. So you can have your own little uh, northern Minnesota grouse slam. And then, of course, go catch a bunch of walleyes in the Rainy River, which is probably what most of the people are going up there to do. Um, and Joe, we, we, too, Brett, we, we, we talk so much about the Rainy River. And there are, you know, the Rainy River, is, is, but I mean, right now, the majority of the charter boats are still fishing the lake. That's where most of the walleyes are coming from. And yeah, there's fish in the river, but right now, man, you know, mo- mo- a lot, there's a lot of fishing happening on that, on that big lake too. And it's, so those fish are in transition. So they're going to some different spots, but the jig bite's starting to pick up. And uh, so, so there's a lot happening up there, but uh, you know, between the, the, the river and, and the big Traverse Bay, the big open waters, and of course the Northwest angle, you know, it's really game on. Those fish are putting on the feed bag. The water's getting chilled down. It's it's in the low 60s, and uh, it's everything's popping right now. Well, I know I've seen Andy Reeves post lately. He's had a bunch of walleyes. He had some nice crappies, and then, uh, of course, he caught some nice muskies here recently, too, and then they're getting ready to do some layout boat duck hunting up there. So a lot of opportunities up there at uh, that giant walleye factory in northern Minnesota, Joe. 
Um, and we spent some time close to there recently at the annual Aglow Conference, which I, I'm finding out, Joe, a lot of people have, have to give you credit for joining Aglow. I know you talked me into it, and uh, my first experience was a couple of years ago at Lake of the Woods. We did a cast and blast trip, shot some geese up there, and uh, caught some nice walleyes. And now I've been a, a big, I've been a part of Aglow, and Aglow has become a big part of what we do here uh, in, in recent years. And uh, after talking to a number of people at the Aglow Conference here this past week, Turns out you've got a lot of people into that organization, Joe. Yeah, well, and you know, I'll tell you something. Uh, the, the people I get into the organization are people that I like and care about because it's a very good organization. And, you know, people, some of my friends kid around, it's it's win-win, Joe, you know. and But I do. I, I look for, you, you know, creating win-wins. There's got to be something Absolutely. in it for both sides. And, you know, if you're a... If you're an outdoor communicator, or at least you want to become a, maybe you want to become an outdoor communicator and you're not now as far as writing or doing videos or getting better at social, um, maybe you're a company that deals with outdoor products. Maybe you're a destination, but I'll tell you something. Um, when you pull these different, or maybe you're a conservation organization, Ducks Unlimited, National Wild um, uh, Turkey Federation, you know, things like that. You pull these organizations together. Toyota, I know you have Kurt McAllister coming on. It's the right kind of mix of people that work together and good things happen in synergy, right? One plus one equals 10. And you know, something about that Aglow conference and, and the Aglow group just works. Plus like-minded people, good yeah. people, hard work and professional, positive attitudes, but also getting her done. These people are there and sitting on the couch. These people are out doing it and writing about it and getting her. And we call it, you know, we've always talked about changing our name, Brett. You know, the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers. Well, number one, it goes much further than the Great Lakes. And, you know, back in the day, outdoor writing was the way that things were communicated more more so than not. But now it's really an organization that spreads across the U.S. and it's out professional outdoor communicators. And um, that's what it's evolved in. Very, very uh, cool thing. I should ask you, I mean, you were, you were in Bemidji and you're a big part of this thing now. What, what was your uh, uh, takeaways from just the, the group we had, some of the young blood that was there, et cetera? You know, you we give you a hard time about the win-win thing, Joe, but honestly, that sums up my impression of a glow completely. And this conference last week was uh, was just the, the perfect example of that in action. And it was everybody helping each other. I mean, that was the whole reason we were there was to grow as communicators, was to grow, if you're there as a brand or a destination, to grow your reach and to grow your ability to reach people and to learn new ways to do that as social media evolves, as ways to communicate evolve from our beginnings as writers to now as podcasters and vloggers, YouTubers, whatever you want to call it. As those things change and evolve, people especially people that have been doing it a long time can be reluctant at times to change and evolve as things move on, move along. So trying to, uh, to learn, and, and I'll be honest, a lot of those people this year, there were some people that I thought for sure, there's no way they're going to embrace some of the digital landscapes. And they were there asking the most questions like, my gosh, how do I do this? How do I, how do I do this on Instagram or how do I, how do I build a website? You know, they're out there trying to learn and there was no shortage of people there to help them out. And I've, I've met more people in the industry willing to help out in one way or another through the association, Great Lakes Outdoor Riders that I've tried to encourage as many people as possible. I know Dan and I were both getting messages on Instagram from, from a young kid the other day. Hey, I want to be an outdoor photographer. Can you guys give me any advice? And the 
the first thing both of us said is join a glow because you're going to be able to learn things right away, but you're also going to be around people who are willing to help you learn. And that I thought was on uh, display in a big time way this past week at the conference, Joe. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. And you know, the other thing that's interesting is, Brett, what, what do I get for bringing you and other people in? What do you get for bringing other people in? Well, I mean, I think there may be some a little bit of a discount, but aside from that, I would I would turn that down anyway and just pay my full price. Cause it's only a hundred bucks a year to be a member, which to me is is a hundred percent worth it. It it could be I, I get my value time ten times that back for the hundred dollar annual membership. The the ability not only to be around those people and network with them just at the conference, but the, but the media camps that take place throughout the year where there's smaller gatherings in different parts of the, of the country, hunting and fishing. Uh, but just the, 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 the ability to be able to reach out to people on a, on a daily basis if I want. I know somebody posted, we have a members-only group on Facebook, and somebody posted in there, I think it was Lance Valentine the other day, saying, hey, I, I need a little bit of help with this. And there were a number of people there raising their hands say, yeah, let's talk. I can help you out with that. As you mentioned, it's a group of good, solid, like-minded people willing to help each other out. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, get, I, I get nothing for bringing anybody into a glow. And in fact, some people would say, why would you bring another destination to a glow? And, you know, it, it's because you do, you, do the, you do the right thing. You know, a rising tide floats all boats. And, uh, you, you know, uh, um, I'll tell you what, kudos too, by the way, uh, uh, Brady, uh, Brady Loudon from Visit Bemidji. Yeah. You know, what a, what a great job he did and what a positive dude he is. Um, you know, I, I, I just can't say enough what, what the, the job he did, but you know, um, even uh, talking to a Kurt McAllister who's been with the Toyota Motor Company for years and years and years. And, and just, I can go on and on with a number of people that I, maybe I sat around the campfire and had a beer with, or met him at a, uh, maybe I sat next to him at a dinner and hey, you rub elbows with some of these professionals and you realize, number one, how sharp they are. But you also realize they're just real people. Now, they right. work hard, but they're just real people. And to build those relationships is very, very, very nice for so many reasons. Even if even if they're not in the, the, the fishing industry or tourism industry, which I kind of cross over, you know, it doesn't matter. Rubbing elbows with with people that are on the rise is healthy. And this is a really a great group. Somebody mentioned to me, I don't know what it is about a glow. It's just, it's magic. It's it's a very good feeling when you go there. And we've heard that over and over from people that have joined uh, uh, the organization most recently. The, uh, and, and if you are in, in those, those campfires are becoming legendary, I think, at the Aglow conferences, and I think they've been that way for a while, but I'm realizing just how legendary they can be. And the amount of times I've been sitting next to somebody new that I hadn't met before, just having a normal conversation with them, talking about whatever, the industry, just a, a regular conversation, then come to realize that they're somebody fairly high up in an, in an organization that makes some marketing decisions. That's priceless interaction. You know, you go to these things and it gets you behind the gatekeepers. You know, as long as you're out there giving as much as you're taking and you're not out there just trying to completely benefit, but out there trying to help people as well, you're building relationships. And at some point that can come back to, to, to help you out somewhere down the line. So yep. when you when you reach out to say you're looking for a boat sponsor or something and you make a phone call to a boat company and they don't know who you are, you, you know, you're generally not going to get anywhere unless you're winning the 
Bassmaster Classic or something like that. And at that point, you've already probably already got a boat sponsor. But you go to events like this, you spend some time around them, you get to know these people, you're building networking relationships, you're building personal relationships, you're becoming friends with these people. And that, that just goes so far in a tight-knit industry such as the outdoor industry. And uh, one way or another, it, it, it'll come back to benefit you in some way. You know, think about this one. People, people do business with those who they like and right. they trust. And what, what a better way to, to get to know somebody on a more personal level than going to a conference with them. And, you know, part of going to a gold conference is you spend a little time uh, out, out in, the, in the outdoors. And some of it is, uh, you know, uh, uh, hospitality nights where they, have, they might have an open bar, campfires, kind of culture for a glow. You go outside, you know, we always have a campfire outside at the end of the day. And, and uh, it just, it, it, it's, it's a neat deal. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say too, you know, it's also very, the, the, the learning that goes on. You know, we talked about everything from uh, AI to zombie content, mar- you know, creating content to, um, you know, affiliated marketing to, I mean, there, there's education that goes on as well. So um, it's, it's a long, longer conference. Not everybody comes for the whole week, most do. But uh, I'll tell you what, whenever I come away from an Aglow conference, I'm always happy that I've attended. Yeah. Well, and the the venue this year was great. The Hampton Inn and Suites was awesome there in Bemidji. We had a great time. The food is good. The staff was amazing. Uh, we got to show they people were. what the outdoor feed was all about, which is a new thing from Aglow. Go to theoutdoorfeed.org if you want to see all the content that members of Aglow are creating. It's all in one place right there. And Joe, we better wrap this. I got to say too, hey, by the way, before we get too far, you and Danny, I think I told you guys you're probably going to need a wheelbarrow. And you did you bring a wheelbarrow for all your awards? Because you and Danny, <laughs> were, were, you, you were recognized for some of the top-notch work you're doing from from peers and colleagues from across the nation. How many awards did the two of you win? I think this year it was, uh, I think it was eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it was it was fourteen this year, Joe. And, and I'll tell you what, you know, that's 14 awards for, for the audience. These are awards. There's over 500 entries. These are very hard. In fact, when, when uh, Karen Leto introduced the awards, the, the awards and craft ceremony, she said, you know, we've had more entries than we've had. And the, the level of professionalism and the, 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 just the quality of, of articles and podcasts and TV shows, everything is just re- really, really high. So for you guys to win um, with that kind of level of competition tells you something about the kind of quality work you're doing. I say kudos to you because, you know, one one of the things about a glow is for people to get some recognition once in a while for the hard work and for the professionalism. And I think it's just a it kind of tells you that you're in the right track, doesn't it? Well, and it also tells tells me that we spent more money on bribes than other people uh, for the judges. <laughs> yeah, but that's, clearly. That's, that's money well invested. that's right no it it was an honor for us to win those awards there was a lot of stiff competition out there there's a lot of really talented content creators that are that are part of a glow and um i was definitely surprised uh once again as i have been every year that we won as many as we did i feel i feel like we're doing good work and i'm proud of it but um yeah it was it's really neat to be honored that way and and joe you did very well too you got uh you got uh, quite a few awards this year so congratulations to you as well yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's it's nice to get some recognition. In my case, I got I think a first place for public speaking. I got a 
first place on a, an article about ice fishing, and I got third place on a, um, a TV broadcast uh, we'd done for our Paid Forward Veterans event. So, again, I didn't know I was going to be getting – I knew I was going to get A award because they send you an email, as you know, that mm-hmm. says, hey, I hope you're coming to the conference because we're going to get an award. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how many. But, again, it's uh, very, very uh, – how do I say this? Um, being super authentic, I'm very honored and very humbled by winning an award like that. To win awards with a level of competition, um, there's some very, very talented people that are not only, uh, boy, they're just they're good at what they do, aren't they? They're very good at, at what they do. They're they're good people, and uh, you know it's good to spend time with them every year in Bemidji. You know, at the annual conference this year, happened to be in Bemidji. Sometimes that's the only time out of the year we get to see some of some of these old friends. So uh, once again, it was a great time to see you up there, Joe. We had fun fishing, and uh, and uh, some people went hunting. Some people went and checked out uh, the Mississippi River and all that good stuff that you can do up there. And and of course, we learned some stuff. So now Kentucky Lake next year, we're looking forward to that one. And if you want to join a glow go to a glow outdoors.com for more information and joe if people want to plan a trip to lake of the woods what should they do i tell you what whether it's fall fishing or ice fishing right now is the time hey check out our website and that is lake of the woods mn.com northern minnesota's walleye factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination the perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to lake of the woods fish big traverse bay the rainy river or visit the unique northwest angle to catch big fish you have to go where the big fish are plan your trip to lake of the woods at lake of the woods mn.com that's lake of the woods mn.com This is Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for tuning in on the radio network by demand or downloading the audio podcast or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. Thank you very much. We are here in Bemidji at the Hampton Inn and Suites, Lake Bemidji behind us and Kurt McAllister is joining us. The outdoor communicator, outdoor communications manager for Toyota. Yes. All right, how you doing Kurt? Good Brett, how are you? Good, been a good conference for you? It's been a great conference. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, uh, first of all, it gave us a chance to show the, the members the all-new Sequoia, which has been on the market for about six or seven months, give them a chance to crawl through it a little bit, and then also gave us a chance to uh, honor 10 young people who are looking to break into the outdoor industry. And I want to talk about all those things, but we have we have a very pressing matter that we have to start with. Like, does your right arm get tired carrying that? What? what <laughs> Yeah, so this is a, a championship ring courtesy of the University of Montevallo. Oh, okay. So kind of part and parcel to the, the Toyota Let's Go Places Scholarship Program. I was introduced to the University of Montevallo about six or seven years ago because all of a sudden it seemed like a lot of the recipients were coming from there because they have this great outdoor scholars program that, that enlists about 100 students a year. And, they're, wow. and the intent of this program is to put them in the outdoor space. And they said, you know, we got a really good fishing team down here. And I said, okay. So a couple of years ago, I decided to put a little bit of seed money towards a sponsorship, you know, get our logo on a couple of bass boats, you know, uh, you know, logo on the jersey, and then a little bit of seed money for anything else that they need. And lo and behold, uh, they've now won three national championships in a row. Oh, wow. This ring is reflective of the back-to-back championship. So they gave me an opportunity as a sponsor to buy a ring. So whenever I go to an outdoor group, it, it, people see the ring, and it gives me a chance to, to brag on Montevallo and to brag on our scholarship program. 
It's definitely a conver conversation starter and a self-defense weapon. I think. Yeah, it's it's heavy. It's <laughs> it's heavy. These these rings all of a sudden they're they are they're like hubcaps on your fingers. Right. Because so. I mean I've worn I, I knew Chris Coast when I lived up in Fargo and he won a World Series ring. So right. he, we were at a, a wedding with one of his relatives. He's like ah he's letting everybody try it on. So I got to wear a World Series ring. Mm -hmm. and I think it was about half the size of yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. They, they, again, they wanted to they wanted the kids to be able to celebrate you know the championship and so uh yeah they're they're getting their their third ring here um probably in about a month from now oh well. takes takes a while for them to design it and mint it sure. and uh and and present it to the team so yeah again this uh collegiate bass fishing has become really competitive and uh, for the fact that montevallo has won three in a row in a field of 200 schools and more schools are added to the mix every year so sure. it's uh I mean, there's scholarships to be found in bass fishing, believe it or not. So mm -hmm. we only missed it by about 25, 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's some great opportunities. You know, people talk about how do you get more uh, youth involved in the outdoor world. Mm -hmm. And between um, the high school bass fishing teams, mm -hmm. the high school fishing teams, and the college teams, and the uh, NASP, the National Archery in the Schools, and then also mm -hmm. the Clay Target Leagues, all the, right. all the trap shooting that's going on, there are a lot of opportunities to at least open the door mm -hmm. to uh, some of the, the ways that people enjoy the outdoors with some of these things. And obviously with what we've seen here this week, uh, you you had 10 recipients of mm -hmm. the scholarship this year at the Glow Conference here in Bemidji, right. um, which that's gotta be the most you've ever done. Yes, yeah, we, we had uh, the Palma organization pr provide us with six or seven winners a couple of years ago, but this this by far surpasses that number. How important is that program to you? Well, you know, it, it, it's important to me, but more importantly, it's, it's important to these outdoor press guilds. And the whole impetus of it was about nine years ago, the leadership from Aglow came to us and said, hey, listen, you know, a lot of these organizations are getting a little long in the tooth. We need to find a way to infuse young people into our organizations, because invariably they'll die off in 25, 30 years if we don't have a, a kind of a pipeline. So in talking to them, I said, let's create a scholarship program uh, that what it does, it pays for the accommodations, the registrations, uh, any kind of travel to get these people to the conference. And they get some one, uh, one year of free membership. And so we started it with a glow and with a couple, four or five members at a time. And then invariably another five or six press guilds that I work with said, hey, can we, can we do something similar? And so um, again, we always leave it up to the organizations to find the talent. And so some of these young people have become real rock stars in the industry. So it's kind of neat to, to, to know that we played a little part mm -hmm. in their progress, a little part in their development. But yeah, this year we hit a milestone. So with those 10 folks, uh, we have comfortably surpassed 100 scholarships in nine years. That's awesome. And so we want to make sure we celebrate it here because this is where it all started. And, and the beauty of this too is that, you know, by getting involved in the scholarship program, they, they are introduced a bunch of mentors, you know, people that have been around for a while that can pass along their their expertise and their skills. But it's become this beautiful 360 marriage because all of a sudden these young people came in with all the social media and tech savvy, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they showed some of the older <laughs> members, some of, the other some of these old print guys, <laughs> yeah. how to amplify their own efforts with YouTube and some of the social media channels. So it's really become a beautiful marriage of, of experience and youth and enthusiasm. Well, in a r related way, you know, having Dan come join this show and everything he does, it's mm -hmm. nice to have, you know, because he's, he's younger 
younger and closer to that generation. Yep. So he comes with a different perspective. And yes. I've always talked about when you look, uh, particularly when you look at a group like a Glow that's been around for almost 70 years, mm. you do have some older members right. who have gone through a lot of changes in the outdoor communications industry mm -hmm. from traditional media, print, broadcast, to now this digital landscape that's like, it was like the Wild West for a long time. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. anything went, and then all of a sudden you started to see algorithms and throttling down and this and that, and the explosion of YouTube, and mm -hmm. uh, even from, from a brand perspective, mm -hmm. uh, an advertising pr perspective, you've seen a lot of the, the dollars go from the traditional media over to the digital side. Right. So now if you're not living in that digital space and understanding how it works, and then staying with it because it's constantly evolving, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to find something else to do. Yeah. You're not going to survive in it. Yeah, mass media, it doesn't matter what segment you're in, has shrunk in this, in this country, particularly in the print space. So all of a sudden, all those those cherry opportunities to write for Field and Stream are, are not as plentiful. Right. Uh, you're, you're, everyone's local paper used to have an outdoor section in the, in the, afternoon, in the uh, weekends, and there's very few of those to go around anymore. So yeah, they've kind of had to find a way to reinvent themselves. You know, the one thing I will tell you about about the young people getting into the um, into the outdoors. One of the few silver linings that came out of COVID is that it forced everybody outside. Mm -hmm. um, my middle son actually spent a summer working at Dunham's, and they couldn't keep canoes and kayaks in stock because all of a sudden the tail of the millennials and the zoomer generations were introduced to the environment and the outdoors like this is pretty cool yeah you know i could put my phone down for a while or actually take use my phone to take images and take photos and so all of a sudden there's this newfound love affair with the environment with this younger generation so we have to make sure that we keep nurturing that well, speaking of the outdoors, uh, sometimes you have to travel a little bit when you do that. And mm -hmm. I've been traveling around in this Toyota Highlander that mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I got it by accident because I've always known about the Highlander, but I actually went in to buy a different Toyota mm -hmm. and left the dealership with the, with the Highlander. And this right. was uh, 2022, so supply was still a little tough. And mm -hmm. But <laughs> I like it better than what I went to buy mm -hmm. originally. And it's it's actually been... A, a great vehicle because uh, we were towing Dan's boat around with mm -hmm. it. I towed, towed an enclosed trailer to Saskatchewan and back with it, uh, full of full of goose decoys, yeah. and I drove it through the field and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it's it's surprisingly been kind of a great vehicle to take you know hunting and fishing. I, mean, mm -hmm. I don't think that's the intended purpose for that vehicle necessarily, but it, mm -hmm. but it's done the job. Uh, but Mark Smith was telling me about uh, another vehicle that you brought here. And he, he was kind of impressed with some of the specs on, on the motor and everything else on that vehicle. Yeah, just to speak to your Highlander though, even though you don't think that the Highlander is off-road capable, oh, all, all yeah. of our SUVs with their all-wheel drive systems are, are off-road are off capable, deer pass, duning, all that stuff. People just don't think about that, right. uh, particularly with newer products. But yeah, we brought the all-new Sequoia with us. Um, that was, it was uh, redesigned from the, from the wheels up. And it's been on the market now for about six, seven months, and it's doing really well. And uh, the thing that's remarkable about that is that um, we've now dropped the big V8, so now we have a V6 twin turbo hybrid. So most of our products in our lineup now have hybrid versions available for economy and for performance. So, so this Sequoia is capable of 437 horsepower yeah. and can tow 9,500 pounds. Wow. So easily a horse trailer, easily a bass boat. Um, and it's doing really well for being such a big SUV. Uh, and on the heels of that, we have the all new Tacoma coming out and the all new Land Cruiser, which I know a lot of people in this, in this group is excited about. So mm -hmm. we've got three uh, vehicles that are kind of tailored for the outdoor community, you know, coming soon or here already. So, you know, we're excited about, about that. 
Yeah, well, I, I wanted to get a chance to check it out, so I'm gonna have to go out there. Uh, I know you got it here, mm -hmm. and uh, and then I'm I'm gonna be, I like, as much as I like the Highlander, mm -hmm. there's a good chance it may be being uh, traded in for a, a Tundra. Okay. <laughs> so there's a good yep. chance of that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. That'd but, be great. Uh, That'd be we've great. Been, we've been on the road for quite a while. We're heading back, and uh, mm -hmm. first trip back, when we get back, is probably gonna be heading into the dealership. So. Okay, all right. Uh, but what else, anything else on the horizon for, for Toyota? You know, it's it's right now. It's it's all about what we can do to make our vehicles more engaging, more fun, and and, and more fuel efficient. So as I mentioned, we've only got a couple of vehicles left that don't have hybrid versions or hybrid variants, and that's a couple of our sports cars in the Toyota lineup. So, you know, right now there's a big push on everybody to be as EV and green as they can. Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit different tact on that as opposed to some of our competitors where. We, we, it's kind of more, it's the more arrows in the quiver philosophy for us. So it's not just EVs are the future, but we see hybrids and plug-in hybrids and fuel cells and, and, and battery electrics as well um, as being part of that future, as well as really fuel-efficient gas engines. So uh, we don't think Americans are ready for EVs overnight, mm -hmm. but we see a gradual build-up to that. And so that's why we want to make sure we have the best hybrids on the market so we can meet their, meet their needs today and then prepare them for, for an electric tomorrow. Well, I've driven uh, a lot of different brands. Uh, I've had, you know, some GM vehicles and uh, a couple of Toyotas. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, like when, when we were on this trip in Saskatchewan, I was driving that Highlander through the field, and mm -hmm. then a buddy of mine was in a, a, a different brand sure. pickup. And uh, he's like, hey, can we go out, out of the field a different way next time? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, your suspension is a little better than mine. <laughs> it's a little more, this is a pretty comfortable ride. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I ended up really liking that vehicle. So, yeah. Uh, it's good Kurt, testimony. Thank you. Yeah. Outdoor communications manager for Toyota. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for everything that you do for a glow. My I pleasure. appreciate you coming out here and joining us for the conference. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Brett. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com.